teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. The widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into this treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. It's good to be back with you this week. I missed you guys last week. I, I truly did. So I, I'm sure you had a wonderful service. I heard good things, and I praise God for that. But I'm glad to be back. I was in a, at a, a retreat, um, and it was a beautiful retreat center. Just absolutely gorgeous. It's in the Finger Lakes, right across the street from one of the lakes. I was told three times. I still can't remember which one it, which one it was. But it was pretty. It's very pretty. And the facility itself was really state-of-the-art. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was a, it's a Catholic retreat center, but it's, it's a business, so they didn't mind if the Protestants came for a while, as long as we had the, the money. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it was just this, I mean, state-of-the-art. I mean, even the kitchen restaurants wish they had kitchens like this. I mean, it was just incredible. And one of the things, if you, if you walk around the grounds... Uh, there, a lot of the grounds were bricks, you know, patterned bricks. But a lot of the bricks actually had uh, names on it. Uh, names of families, names of brothers and children, and just all different kinds of, of names. And so the idea was is you, you could buy a brick. You could kind of immortalize your name or your family's name in one of these bricks for the, for the right amount of money. In fact, a lot of the, the facilities w- was, were built and exist through, through donations. Uh, and the greater the giver, the more exonerated the person was. For example, uh, if you're familiar with the Wegmans uh, supermarket food chain, uh, he was a, a huge giver. One of the, um, the main building actually is called the Wegman House. And it's not his house. But he had funded just about everything, if not everything, about that house. And so his name is everywhere. There's pictures of him and his wife. There's write-ups about him. There's a lot of um, exoneration and praise for the Wegmans and their contribution. Now, I, I, am not, I am not putting any of that down. In fact, I certainly get it. I understand it when I see the names of the bricks and the Wegmans' name on the building. I mean, to... to, to um, exonerate his name, I mean, for me personally, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think all people really want to, at the very end of their lives, amount to much. I don't know anybody who does, wants to go through life going, listen, I want to affect as least amount of people as I possibly can. 
I don't really want to have any kind. Right? We all have this desire, this, this drive. We want to make a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to, we want to amount for much. And, and there's, there's two ditches on that road, right? There's two valleys that we can fall into. And our passage this morning really serves as both an encouragement and a warning. An encouragement and a warning. Because the question becomes, how do we measure our amounts? How do we measure our worth, our contribution? There's two metric systems that we could use. There's the world's metric system, and then there's the metric system that God uses. The metric system of the kingdom of God. And they're nothing alike. Nothing alike. So we look at the, the, the world's metric system and what that looks like, uh, it, it looks like more is better. The greater the number, the greater the praise, the greater the account. We know this. I mean, if you go to work, even if you just want to make an effect at work, it can be discouraging because there's always somebody there that's more educated, smarter, comes from a better family, has it in with the boss. And you start at the ground level, and before you know it, a couple years later, a few years later, he's rising up to the top, and we're still a few tiers down. We can never quite measure up. They're going to make more money, get more praise, get greater titles. And it can, it can be discouraging. Because the world's measuring, what are you giving? What is your worth? How pretty are you? What are you doing to entertain us? And the better you are at that, the greater you can, you can contribute to that, the more praise. And this is what the world measures, right? The, the world measures against other people. The standard is other people. And the higher exonerated you are, the more worth you have. So if you've never been, I'm sorry to say, by the world standards, if you've never been on the cover of a magazine, you just don't matter as much as the people who have been on the cover of a magazine. And this is the way the world measures its system. This is how it measures its its worth. People's worth. And it is easy to get caught up into that. And even within that, I mean, even within that, there's a measuring system, right? It's not enough to become a celebrity. Because who wants to be a B-list celebrity if you can be an A-list celebrity? I mean, this happens even in, just in, in life. There are people right now in Manhattan who have reached the point of their career where they are making more than enough money to help s- support their family, to have a good living, and yet they are neglecting their family to make even more money, and they couldn't even really tell you why. Except for this drive to matter much. Drive to gain and receive more recognition and more praise. And it becomes, with our hearts, the way that we are, it becomes that I fall in love with the praise. I'm in love with the praise. So, we can be discouraged. We can be discouraged. I mean, if we even think of, uh, if, if, if that's this measuring stick for me, as your pastor, then I'm in trouble. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm working hard, we want to grow this church, there's no doubt. But I I don't know that it's going to become a mega, mega, mega church, right? 
Uh, I don't know that someday I'll be preaching to thousands and thousands all at one fell swoop. And yet we know that those preachers, if I was holding myself up to the standard of John Piper or even you know Billy Graham or some of these other guys, right? There, there, there's this discouragement. Oh my gosh, I'll never amount to that. And we, we can be discouraged even as we're in our just our small group. Somebody's got this real gift of just evangelizing. And it seems like every other week they're, they're praying with people, the sinner's prayer. And it's like, my goodness, I, I, I'm nervous to talk to my neighbor and this person's got five people getting baptized. I'm not going to amount to much. There's this tendency. So the good news this morning is, is that the kingdom of God has a different measuring system altogether. It uses a completely different metric system. And this is what Jesus shows us in these passages, this passage of Scripture this morning. The first thing he does is he tells, uh, he tells his disciples and whoever is listening uh, to beware of the scribes. To be, to be aware of the scribes. A warning. He issues a warning concerning the scribes. This is counterintuitive to what that culture did to the scribes. The people of that time weren't being aware of the scribes. They were praising the scribes. Had they had magazine publications at the time, no doubt scribes would be on the front cover. It was customary if a scribe were just walking through your village and you're busy working and you see the scribe, that you stop what you're doing and you stand at attention, and you greet that scribe by title as he pass by. To exalt and to honor the scribe. And how would you know that it was a scribe? How would you know that it was a scribe versus a, a blacksmith? Jesus says that they, they dress, they walk on in long robes in order to get those greetings in the marketplace. In other words, they, they have these long white robes, and they have these prayer tassels all touching to the ground coming off of them and they're white, they're separate they dress differently than the regular people it's like the celebrities right, we can, I can wear a suit but it's not going to look as good as a suit as one of the celebrities is, is wearing they're going to stand out, stand apart from this is what the scribes did they, they, they stood out They dressed in honor, not like the common man, because their worth was greater according to the world. And not only that, they, Jesus tells us that they get the best seats in the synagogues, in the places of honor, at feasts. So they are, you know, everybody's sitting on the ground, sitting where they possibly can. A scribe comes in, and you, you get up if you've got a seat of honor, and you give it to the scribe. They sit right up front, right up front with their back. Their back is to the, the box with the Torah in it, and they are sitting up front and leveled up so that the whole congregation can see them. Honor and glory and difference and standing out. And the same thing, it wasn't a feast if there wasn't a scribe there. If any kind of if anybody had of any kind of importance and they threw a feast, there needed to be a scribe there, and they would be separate again. They would be separate and they would be honored and, and exalted. This wasn't uncommon. Where you sat, the order of importance, who was greater. 
I mean, this is, this is just embedded into our culture. It's so embedded into our culture, we don't even realize it. We don't even recognize it at times. And it was embedded into their culture. Israel cared a lot about who sat where. Israel cared a ton about seats of honor. And not just honor, but B-listers and A-listers. They made the most minute distinction. We saw this come off of uh, James and John just a few passages ago when they come to Christ and say, can I sit at your right and him at your left? They cared. Why did they care? They cared because they want to amount to much. They want to amount to much. And, and to the world, unless you are recognized, unless you give greatly, unless you do something spectacular that everybody knows about, then you do not amount to much. And so they want seats where they can be recognized for their greatness in order to amount to much. Remember, Jesus told them, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking because what you're asking for is honor from the world system, but I don't count the world system. I count the system that comes from the kingdom of God. It's in a completely different metric system. So he says, beware. Don't honor. Don't esteem. Don't emulate. But beware of the scribes. And it isn't just being, be aware of the scribes, but be aware of that heart posture. Be aware of falling in love with this world system that exonerates self. What's even worse is they use that position to take advantage of others. Verse 40 says, Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. So it was, it was an honor, it was considered an act of deity to give to the scribes, to allow the scribes to use your home. And so what the scribes would do is they would placate to this. They would go into the streets. Remember, Jesus... In contrast, where does he go to pray? Desolate places. By himself. Nobody can see him. In fact, one time they don't even know where he is. They can't find him. But the scribes, no, they go to the town center square and they get on their knees and they make these long prayers. And it's an effort to try to win the esteem of the people that hear them. So that they might offer them. They might be impressed by these lengthy, long prayers. And one of the people that was the most vulnerable in the culture, maybe the most vulnerable in the culture, was a widow. A widow had very few means. She, she really had no means of making an income because the men in that time, in that culture, they're the ones that worked. She probably wouldn't have had any education or really any skill to supply for herself. And the other thing was is that there wasn't a man there to protect her. It left her wide open and vulnerable. We've already come to passages of the scripture in the book of Mark concerning widows. And we also see that why Christianity has this call to protect and honor and serve widows. But she's sitting there vulnerable and the scribes thought nothing about eating her out of house and home. Taking her for all that she's worth. So if we can think back a few weeks of the great commandment, we see in this act, in this way, the scribes, in that heart posture, trying to be great, 
are the antithesis of what Jesus Christ has commanded us. It's the opposite of loving God with all your heart and soul and might and strength and mind. And it's certainly the opposite of loving God as yourself. So the command is this, be aware of having hearts like the scribes. And the warning is this, they will receive a greater condemnation. They will receive a greater condemnation. So we think, in the world standard, they receive praise, and they think they're going to move into the kingdom of God and receive the same praise, and they're not going to receive that praise. They're going to receive condemnation. That's strong language. This should put in us this desire to be aware of our own hearts, and our own heart's posture, and what measuring system we're using. I think the big idea of that portion of the scripture this morning is that our success and our achievements and our recognition are poor Jesus substitutes. Amen? Poor Jesus substitutes. If I garnish and gain your respect and praise, but receive condemnation from Jesus, what have I gained? What have I gained? So while the world standards of measurement reads that the scribes and their contributions amounted to much, Jesus warns that these scribes do not face honor in the kingdom of God, but great condemnation. And to help us understand this, he contrasts, he gives us a contrast of the poor widow. So he sits down opposite the treasury and he watched the people. He's sitting and he's watching. Sitting and watching. By the way, this is what he's doing now. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is watching. He misses nothing. He misses nothing. This is good news for us. This is good news for us, and we're going to exemplify why. We don't need to the recognition. I don't need you to see the good that I have done, because my Lord, Jesus Christ, has seen it. He doesn't miss anything. So he sits and he watches. What he's observing is people putting money into the offering box. And he says, many rich people put in large sums. Uh, you know, the only way you would really be able to know that is that the people were like making it known they were putting in large sums. There's ways to put money into a, an, a box, right? That you don't really know how much is being put in there. But if you walk up and you're starting to fumble around with $100 bills and you drop a few hundreds and you, you act like it's really hard to shove all that money into the box. I mean, you're being, you're being out loud with the fact that I'm giving large sums. You're trying to amount for much. From the, from, garnish the, the praise of everybody around you. And I love that Christ is stoic during this. It says he's just sitting there watching it. He makes no notes. He doesn't raise an eyebrow. It doesn't excite him. The person who put the most money in there, he doesn't go, ooh, that'll go far. 
He just watches stoically. Gains no attention beyond that. Then a poor widow comes along. And we can picture, you know, again, poor in this context means poor. Uh, She is without a doubt sickly looking. She doesn't have enough to eat to sustain her own life. And And it shows. She's rationing water and things that most people just take for granted. Uh, the clothing on her back is probably well overworn. Um, <clears throat> patches everywhere. It is clear, and especially in contrast to the rich people, this, is, this poor widow is standing out. And she comes, and we can picture her, come and puts in two small copper coins, which would equal, in our day, a penny. And so we've got these people putting in hundreds and hundreds, and then she comes, and she, clink, drops two small coins that equal a penny. And what does the world say to that? Insignificant. Why even bother? What can a penny do? Please, move aside. Let the rich people come through. The ones who amount to much. They're the ones that are going to build the Wegman house. They're the ones that are going to lay the bricks. A penny? Are you kidding me? But it's that act, it's this woman, that causes Jesus Christ to leap with excitement. Finally, he goes from being stoic to having something to say. And he summons his disciples. Come, come here. Let me teach you something. Let me show you something. You won't believe what I just witnessed. You can tell from all these people given all those hundreds and hundreds, this woman right here comes and gives a penny. And he tells them she gave more than all of them. And you think, how is that possible? Well, it's not possible if we're measuring with the world's metric system. It's only possible if we are measuring with the system that God has put into place. See, he explains to them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had. All she had to live on. See, God isn't interested in amounts. He's not interested in how much, how beautiful, how talented. This matters nothing to him. He sees right through that under the heart. Amen? God is not interested in what people give as much as he is interested in how they give it. Whether it's money or energy or time or wisdom, whatever it is. We can give much and have it amount to little. We can give little and have it amount to much. It just depends on whose metric system you're using. Who are you doing it for? What are you giving it out of? 
Am I giving? Am I sharing? Am I giving my time and my money and my, my, my energy out of abundance? Or am I giving it out of poverty? See, many gave out of their abundance, but the widow gave out of her poverty. The scribes viewed themselves as having abundance. Did they have abundance? No. No, this is why Christ came to call every man, woman, and child to repent. Every man, woman, and child is spiritually dead, poor, impoverished. How many rich people are in the kingdom of God right now, in the kingdom of heaven? Zero. Zero. The scribes viewed themselves as having abundance. They were filled with pride and glory and self-sufficiency and stature. They acted like they lacked nothing. They were so blinded by their own magnificence, by the world standards, that they missed the Messiah they had been waiting for. Right over their head. They must have been at a photo shoot that day. They were blind by their they were blind to their spiritual poverty. They thought themselves more significant than that poor widow. And as a result, they faced greater persecution. It's only those who recognize their spiritual poverty, their desperate need for God, that can experience the kingdom of God. The widow was well acquainted with her poverty and need. So many would think of her as not being a blessed woman because of the struggle that she had physically. Yet that physical struggle kept her tethered closely to her desperate need for God. And in that way was her greatest blessing. There was nothing to distract her, nothing to make her think that in and of herself she was something. She knew every day that she needed God. And it was in that heart posture that she gave. She gave out of her poverty. She understood that her need was infinitely more than just money and worldly stature. It was a... Her need was for God. So there's an encouragement and a warning here. And I think at any given season, I know personally in my own life, one of these two things will apply almost all the time. The encouragement is this, is that God does not use the world's metric system to measure greatness. He's not going, looking at me going, how come you don't have John Piper's numbers in your pulpit? Right? Amen. I don't have to live up to John Piper. If you don't know who that is, Billy Graham. I don't know who that is. Or, or whoever it is, if you think, oh, I don't, man, you know, oh, I just, I can't, I can't give in that way. I don't have that much. Whatever it is that you think that you lack, praise God for lacking it, and go to him. If all you have is a penny's worth of information, a penny's worth of knowledge, a penny's worth of understanding, give all of it. Give all of it. 
not for your own glory, but for the glory of God. And this is what happens. He takes this, this little old woman. What an insignificant scene this really is. And yet 2,000 years later, I spent an entire week studying it. And we spent a Sunday morning talking about it. One penny was ringing out lessons for 2,000 years. Give whatever we have and just watch. Sit back and watch in awe of what God can do with the offering from a, a part of of poverty, of brokenness, of love to God, of a need for God. Again, whatever it is, it doesn't have to just be money, whatever it is, time, wisdom, energy, whatever it is. The warning is this, is that we all have a scribe in all of us. To some extent, to a greater or lesser extent, we are receptive to falling for the world's measuring units and, and measuring system. And as a result, we will measure ourselves richer than we really are. The world's measuring system is designed to fail. It does not place God in the center. So, in all of us, there is this desire to want to be the religious bigwig rather than the poor widow. Can we feel it in our hearts? I mean, this is the examination of our hearts, truly. To be recognized and praised for the world's standards, to not be passed over. I want my name on a brick. So as we praise God this morning, that his metric system is vastly different from the world's, that we know that whatever we give, if we give out of our poverty, if we give out of our genuine need and know, knowing our need for God and our love for God, that he will do mighty, great things with whatever it is that we give. The amount is secondary to the heart and we can all submit and become humbled before God and walk forth then in a posture of servant whether we're wheeling thousands of dollars into the bin or pennies. Whether we've gone to theology school and know everything there is to know about the Bible or we know just very a little. It doesn't matter. Give it. Give it. And watch your God use it in mighty ways. And we should also take this time to check our own hearts and our own posture to make sure that the time that we are spending, the time that we are giving to God, that we're giving those things to Him out of our poverty and not our abundance. Amen. That we recognize that of myself, nothing. Nothing. But it's Him. It's him. He takes whatever little. And trust me, the richest man, the most able man, most wonderful person on earth is nothing compared to God. Amen? We all offer so very little. So very little. And yet, his church continues to grow. His message continues to be proclaimed. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And we are so blessed 
to be a part of it because we are no more than a poor widow offering whatever it is we can. Amen? Holy Father God, thank you that you don't use this metric system. I don't measure up in this worldly system. I just don't. God, so I, I praise that you don't use that. You're not going to count those things against me, that I am not against my brother or him against me, Father, but we are brothers united uh, with you, Father. Because so I, I thank you and I praise you and I ask for repentance. Forgive me, Lord God, that sometimes I play into that metric system because some of that looks appealing. I, I see others get praised and exonerated. It's, it's tough to sit quietly in the corner while that takes place. But God, forgive me for, for my heart moving that way, but God, help me to remember this picture, this scene here in, in verse 40, in verse 42, when he says that you sit and you watch the people. God, help me to remember that you see everything, that nothing gets by you, so that even if I quietly, unbeknownst to anybody, give you a penny, you recognize it. God, thank you so much for your metric system. Please help me to move forward, Lord, measuring up, not by the system of this world, by the system of the gospel and the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand as we close with making.